please remain standing. And if you have a Bible, you can open it up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. It'll also be up on the screen. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We come to your house ready to hear your word. I pray, Lord, that you'll be with Pastor Mike as he speaks to us today. I pray that our hearts can be softened to hear what you want us to hear today. I pray, Lord, that we can begin to figure out who and how we can share your word with one another. Lord, we love you and we give this time to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Rhonda. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Fall is here. Isn't it great? I love like cooler weather. It's going to get hot a little bit today, but uh, man, it just feels great to, to walk out in the morning and it's nice and cool and uh, you don't have to uh, turn on your air conditioner at seven in the morning. But uh, yeah, so God is good. Thanks for coming this morning. Welcome. My name is Pastor Mike. If you're new here, we just want to extend a special welcome to you and then ask you if you will have the courage as Tim has asked you to fill out that connection card and uh, put it in the, uh, put it, take it in the back. We have a gift for you just to say thank you you for being here. Uh, fill that completely out. We're not going to stock you or sell your information to a third party or anything like that. Uh, we're just going to see how we can love and serve you as a church. We're just we're seriously glad that you are here today. Uh, this morning we're finishing up our four-week celebration of Back to Church Sunday. Uh, for the past month we've been exploring this theme of togetherness. Uh, the, it is called Together and we have been uh, drawing our lessons from the book of Ephesians. Uh, through the past weeks we've explored the themes Together we find peace, that Jesus is our peace. We, we have been uh, reconciled back to God and, and peace, peace has been made between us and God and peace is, uh, is experienced uh, amongst one another. And that the Holy Spirit is our peace, that the Holy Spirit resides in believers and part of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And so we can have eternal, lasting, forever peace in our lives through God. So the, the next, uh, we explored themes of uh, Together we experience love, that we get to experience God's love for us through Christ Jesus. And then we also get to experience God's forgiving and, and graceful love amongst one another. And then last week we said together we grow stronger. This week we're going to discuss the idea that together we can change the world. Um, do, you, do you guys have a, you know, a favorite superhero? Anybody? Who's your favorite superheroes? Superman. Superman. Who else? 
Batman, all right. Vigilante over here, I like that. Right? Spider-Man, yes. Wonder Woman, all right. Yeah, it seems as if like Marvel and DC Comics have like capitalized on, on making these billion dollar blockbuster movies, right? And it seems like one comes out right after another. Uh, you've mentioned uh, Superman and Spider-Man and Batman. What about Captain America? I like Captain America, right? Uh, Black Panther made a huge box office hit. Uh, Thor is another one. Wonder Woman was mentioned. The Adventures, Justice League, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Incredibles. Uh, there's Ant-Man man who, who, who thought of that guy, right? Aquaman. And then, and then the latest movie is Shazam. Is he really a superhero? Like seriously, is he really a superhero? He is, right? Uh, for some reason, we love the idea of superheroes. We love this idea that there's this protagonist and an antagonist and the protagonist is coming. The, the hero is coming to save the day. Uh, they are, however, they are like this embodiment of our imagination, and, and we like to take our imagination to extremes, so I love that. Uh, who wouldn't like to have some type of superpower to, to stamp out the injustices in our world? Wouldn't that be great? That, you know, the thing is this, is that we don't need any more imaginary superheroes. We just don't. Those are all good. They, they fight injustice. They fight for good. They defeat villains. They, they restore justice in the world in, 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 the, in the form of our imaginations. But it really isn't happening, right? It's, we don't need any more imaginary superheroes. What we need today in our culture is more people that are like Christ. More people who, who exhibit the, the same very nature that Christ exhibits in and through our world. You see, Jesus didn't come as in a display of power and might. Rather, he came with humility. And his superpower was love. It was peace. It was grace. It was compassion. It was mercy. And it was kindness. These were the things that Jesus brought with him. He brought the power to, to heal the sick and to raise the dead. It was through these things that he came. He didn't come wielding a weapon. He came proclaiming the gospel that the kingdom of God is at hand, that God is doing something epic and amazing, and his entrance into this world was the inauguration of that, the start, the beginning of what God is coming to do to bring the kingdom of God, to reconcile us back to God through Jesus. He came bringing peace and love to stamp out hostility and hate. Is the, do, would you agree that there is just hostility and hate in our culture today? But how do we, what do we use to stamp those things out? Jesus came and brought kindness and mercy to battle against poverty and injustice. And in similar ways, we the church fulfill our purpose in God here on earth. When we experience these, this type of grace ourselves and we give it out to others. These superpowers are ours today. We, can, we are the body of Christ and the church is called to follow in Jesus' footsteps by proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. When we see the, the sin and the things that are going on in our culture, do we believe wholeheartedly as the church that the gospel is the answer for this? That Jesus came to usher in his kingdom. We are to share the, the grace and the forgiveness that Christ offers so that people can escape God's wrath and God's judgment. We are to be peacemakers and love our neighbors, making every effort to stamp out hostility and hatred in our culture. And we are to be a people who are intentionally kind and merciful that we can make an impact on the poverty that we face each and every day in our world and address the injustices that we face as well.
This is what the church is called to do. And, and no, no superhero, no one individual can do this. You don't have to be a superhero to do this. We do this together collectively as a church. As the church fulfills our purpose as God's people here on earth, we then experience these things for ourselves and share them with others. And it leads me to my first principle if you're following along in your bulletin. We put these in here. We, we've got a new little way that we, we're doing the bulletins. It's actually geared. There's a few questions on the bottom of your bulletin. These are for community groups. And so as we fill these out, these are some main points that I want to make through our sermon so that we're taking something away from this. And then, and then as you, uh, before you go to community group tonight, prepare yourself to uh, answer some of those questions that we put in the bottom. But the first principle is this. We fulfill our purpose when we experience and live out God's love together and share it with others. You know, there's not much to give people when you haven't experienced it for yourself. And so let me take the pressure off of, of going and sharing the love of Jesus if you have never sh experienced the love of Jesus. Let me take the pressure off uh, of giving grace to others when you've never been really uh, contemplated how much grace and how much forgiveness that you have been given. Maybe your call is to go to the one-on-one -on -one class, which is today, by the way. Uh, we've got plenty of room for you. You can come and join the one-on-one -on -one class today. This is the first Sunday of the month, and then next week will be the, the, the two-on-one class. But, but today is that one-on-one -on -one class. Maybe you just need to be introduced to Christ and, and, and to wrestle with who he is. But we need to experience it for ourselves and then live out God's love together and share it with the world around us. Changing the world does not require superheroes. It just requires constant choices to follow Christ and to walk together with the church as he leads and empowers us. That this is the call for us. That we're going to, and then we're going to explore some ways that we can do that as we look at the book of Ephesians this morning. So I've been t teaching you each week that the first half of Paul's letter is primarily Paul deals with the, the gospel, the God's redemptive plan throughout history, that, that God, the good news is that God is bringing us all together to, to himself. He's reconciling us to himself through his son, Christ Jesus, that Jesus was going to live our life or the life that we were called to live perfectly in obedience to God, and that he would die a sacrificial death on the cross in exchange for us. Because the Bible says this, is that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so God, this is the big redemptive plan that, that God is doing through his son, Jesus. That's the first half of the book. And then the second half of Ephesians is much more instructional and practical. So how do we then live out our lives in light of the good news that has just been shared with us, in light of our new identity that is found in Christ? Because who we are, family, determines what we do. It, it, who we are determines what we do. If you're a man and you're a dad, there, there is some, there's some implications, right? There, there's something, who you are determines what you do. If you're a Christian, if you're, if you're a Christian, male or female, young or old, there is some responsibility, some things that God would call us to do because you are a Christian. Our key passage today is going to be in Ephesians 4, 32, and we'll get into chapter 5 just a little bit, but this is what he says. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
Often when we think about impacting the world and making a huge change, we go there, right? We, if you just watch the news, it just seems like, oh my gosh, and you can get overwhelmed by the magnitude of the change that is needed in our culture. And, and so we actually would think, man, we really just do need one big superhero to come and stamp it all out and come and save the day, but that's not God's plan. Nor is it all our responsibility to combat the whole thing. God just wants you to be empowered uh, to do what he's called you to do with his, uh, he wants you to do dream big and, and, and start small, if you will. Changing the world is much easier than we think. Listen to the list again. Do you have that up there, the key verses? It says, be kind to one another. Our world is lacking kindness. It says, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you. Go for it. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in, what does it say? Love. As Christ loved us. And so he talks here about kindness, about being tender-hearted, about forgiving one another and walking in love. You think that, 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 that list sounds doable, doesn't it? It doesn't mean we have to have this grand mission to, to, to stamp out all the injustices in our communities. No, one heart, one relationship, one person at a time being tender, being kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, and loving like Christ loved the church. It's doable for us. And yet we see sometimes, I think, I think that uh, one, we need to experience that same love that Christ loved us, that we have some to pour out. I think that is probably the biggest predicament. You guys get this, that in order to be a Christian, we need to be forgiving. But, but you'll, you'll never really embrace the, the truest sense of one, why you would forgive somebody that is undeserved until you realize and you look into yourself in the mirror and realize that you transgressed God's commands so much and he looked beyond that and still sent you Jesus to forgive you. And when we look at ourselves in the mirror and we understand how blessed we are to have Christ's favor upon us, then we've got some to give out to the next person. We've got some to give out to the people that have offended us because we've been offended, haven't we? But how much more has God been offended by our sin? And he still, he knows you, past, present, and future, and he still chose to save you. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that wonderful to even think about? Jesus says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. He says, he says I love you like my father loves me. Do you really grasp that? How much does the father love his son? How much does the father love Jesus? He loves you the same way. He loves you so much that he was willing to lay his life down for you as a sacrifice and then raise it up again so that he could promise that you are being forgiven and to send you the Holy Spirit to dwell in you, to live a life, a life of abundance. Are we living that life? Are we embracing the good news about Jesus in such a way that, that there's an overflow coming from our heart, that we're just so, so uh, grateful for what God is doing that, that when we see an offense, when we are offended by somebody, we look at it not as an offense that needs to be uh, judged and attacked or punished. We see it as being covered by the blood of Jesus. That I can be thankful for the sin that, that I get to experience with my brothers and sisters and my friends. I get to be thankful for that. How can that possibly be? Why? Because it reminds me of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. 
And it causes me to worship him even more. It causes me to go, God, you're so good that even this sin was covered by the blood of Jesus. And now I can give this person grace because you've given me grace. You've given me this same pardon. And and God, let me experience what amazing grace is when I get to pardon my brother or sister believing in the cross. That, That you've been punished enough that no more wrath, no more anger needs to happen for this relationship to be reconciled. Jesus, all of, your, all of the wrath of God was poured out upon you and it was satisfied on the cross. No more death, no more blood needs to be shed for you guys to be reconciled to one another. Isn't that wonderful news? That we can trust in the cross of Jesus and we do this together. We can make this huge impact when we embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we really are walking in that, when we are walking in Christ's love, This is the change that happens. This is the impact that we can have on our community. Imagine for a minute some of the people in our world history that have made a huge impact in our culture. I think about Mozart. I think about Martin Luther King Jr. and Mother Teresa. What about Walt Disney? My granddaughter is in love with Disney stuff. What is this? She wants to be a princess. She, like Walt Disney has more influence over my granddaughter than I do. Like almost, almost. She loves me quite a bit. I love her too. But, but Walt Disney had this huge impact. What about the Beatles? Any Beatles fans? Yeah? Okay, one, two. All right. Wow. Okay, like... Uh, I don't know. Mercy me? Should I say something Christian right now? Yeah. Uh, but, but what about Steve Jobs? Steve Jobs changed the world. But the question is this. Did they do it alone? And what were the steps along the way that, that took him there? You see, there was little, like, like Mozart. Can you imagine? Even if their efforts were individualistic, like, like he wrote all the music and all the scores that he... he but, but without a symphony of trained musicians... Mozart's music would be just staying on paper because the dude couldn't play an instrument. He played the piano, that's it. But in order to compose everything that he wrote, he needed, a hu- he needed people. He needed people. What about Steve Jobs? Steve Jobs changes the world. Like he changed the world. And it started with a big dream with small incremental steps. He was in his garage when he said, I want, my big dream is to have a computer in every home. And in every home, And he set out to do that, that big dream in a little garage with a few gifted people. And now there's a computer in everybody's pocket because he had a dream and he decided to take one step at a time. The church too needs to follow in the footsteps of its Lord Jesus, one step at a time, one heart, one relationship, one meaningful relationship at a time. And we can have an impact in our world. And when we do this together, Imagine the momentum and the impact we can have in our communities when we take this role seriously. Oh, I need that. Come back. Okay, there you are. Thank you. All right. Sorry about that. So this leads me to my second principle is this. It says, the reality is that most powerful change begins small and grows through consistency and time. 
in the last five years here at Encounter, we have doubled in size. It was like, and then now it's kind of just slow and steady growth, which I love that because it's, it, it's really uh, attainable growth. Uh, we, we started with about 70 people and, and then we, we doubled immediately, which was awesome. That's exciting, but it, it's not sustainable growth. Slow and steady growth is what we're really hoping to see in our culture. But most powerful change begins with small steps and, and it grows over time and the way that the church impacts the world is by partnering together to spread small acts of kindness forgiving one another loving one another having mercy upon one another and being generous in our communities now, Paul doesn't describe here like earth-shattering events. The most earth-shattering event that needed to take place was Jesus. Jesus humbled himself and came to earth, lived this perfect life, died a sacrificial death, and rose from the grave. What much more uh, earth-shattering event do you need? That we have the resurrection. That's our secret sauce in the church. Jesus lives. Right? Jesus lives after a sacrificial death and three days in the grave, Jesus lives. We have our superhero. His name is Jesus. And then we live through him, through his spirit that he gives to everybody, producing the fruits of the spirit and living out good works, as Pastor Dave said. He came to do good and we get to together sow small seeds of kindness, forgiveness, love, mercy, and generosity. This is what happens. This is how it happens. One person, one relationship, and one heart at a time. And so our choice is to, to be kind and to show compassion, to choose, judge, to choose understanding over judgment, to choose grace and forgiveness over anger and wrath. Our choice to, sac to choose service and sacrifice over position and privilege is how we change the world. Do you get that? Because yes, these people that, that are offending me deserve wrath and anger. They do. Sin equals death. That's what, that's what the Bible says. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ. And, and, uh, and a Christian response is not anger and wrath. It is grace and forgiveness. We choose all of these things. And this is how we begin to change our world by living out and following in the footsteps of Jesus. Paul writes, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Are we living that out? Are we walking in the footsteps of Jesus, loving as he loved us? True togetherness is more than just shared space. It's just so much less than, than filling butts in the seats and counting heads. This is about a movement that God wants to take us on. This is something that God wants us to go somewhere and, and, and experience this life-changing kingdom of God happening, coming to earth experiences. And this leads me to my third principle. Being united in purpose keeps us working together and moving forward rather than getting caught up in the disagreements that cause us to work against each other. There is so much to be said about this. Paul warns the church in Ephesus that they must be prepared to fight for their community to, to, and to maintain their common purpose. You know, there's been 30, there, there's over 45,000 different Christian churches, church denominations. That means 45,000 splits over disagreements. Isn't that crazy? 
or, or points of view, that churches have split because of this. And I wonder how much of that was really necessary. Or, or could they have humbled themselves and reminded themselves of the gospel that, and the mission that God had, 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 has for us instead of splitting over arbitrary things, just things that don't make a difference. In the same way, we have to be united to, against evil and to be ready to fight against any division that would come in the church. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul instructs believers to put the full armor of God on, not to fight each other or even to fight outsiders, but to stand against evil that would, that would be set against to divide us. He, he, he wants us to become one together, battling, uh, battling against the evil that would threaten our hearts and souls. Listen to what he writes. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord in the, and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We are not to wrestle against one another but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. The battle for our hearts and souls is real. If, if, you, if you don't know that by now, you should know that by now because everything, the, the authorities and the, and the governing authorities, the rulers, the, the people that are trying to convey and get our uh, allegiance and attentions today are evil, man. They, we live in a world that is just driven by consumerism. All of a sudden, your identity is put into question if you don't have the latest this or that. And, and that, that, that this brings you value, this brings you worth. Instead of finding your worth and your value in Christ, whose authority are you living by? Are you living by the world's authority? Are you living by the Fox News? Are you living by CNN? Are you, listening, are you living by, by this consumerism culture that says your worth is in what you have? It's just not true. And what about the evil and, and the, the enemy of God that, are, that, that is, is set against uh, uh, battling us? See, when we realize, and this leads me to my next principle is this. When we know that, that, the, that the real battle is a spiritual one, it'll keep everything we face in perspective. Everything we face. Like, so what are we fighting for as a culture? What are we fighting over who are we fighting with? Is the person that we disagree with an enemy or are they just simply sinners in need of God's grace, in need of God to open up their eyes to see reality and see the world as it really is? Just like us. We have to fight to keep our focus on God's plan and, and, and define everything through the lens of scripture because that is our worldview. What is a worldview? A worldview is that. It's like a pair of glasses that you get to see and define everything that is going on in our world. And if God is who he says he is, the creator of all things, and Jesus is who he says he is, the savior of the world, and the Holy Spirit is the one who is, who is present in people's lives and that will guide us and lead us into all truth, then we need God, we need his word to, to help uh, put the glasses on and define what's going on in our world. The question is this, if we're not united in, in Christ and in purpose, we're going to look for other solutions to save us, to bring comfort, to bring security. And those things will fall and crush at the weight of being a God because only God through Jesus can save us. Only God through Jesus, this, his plan is sure. The Apostle Paul warned the Corinthian church this, he says, I beg you, 
I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of the world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take, every, we take captive every thought to be made obedient to Christ. Boy, if you guys just take this section of scripture and meditate on this, on the whole meaning of what Paul is trying to say here, he's saying the world is God's and you need to see it through his lens. We don't fight these battles like the world fights battles. We fight them with understanding what our, the, our, what our superpowers really are. Our superpowers is love. It's grace. It's mercy. It is forgiveness. It is kindness. It is togetherness. You can't do this without, uh, without the whole church. And you've got to use the right weapons. So he says, put on the full armor of God. Put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. We have to know the truth and the truth will set us free. Put on the shoes of the readiness of the gospel so that you'll know and have the answers for people who need them. You want to make a true impact in your world. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Walk in a manner worthy of God. Showing people that Christians are different than the people in the world. That we have joy. We have peace. We have power to change the world. We have this today. Amen. Somebody. Really. I, I, we need to do like church training class. I'm going to bring a whole bunch of Pentecostal people in this church <laughs> until y'all get up and shout and say amen every once in a while. I, I've got Pentecostal friends. They'd love to come here and preach. And if you don't, they'll get, out, they'll get down here and get up in your face and stuff. It's kind of crazy. So if you don't want the threat, no. <laughs> I'm teasing. We need to get excited about what God's doing in the world. If we're not excited, who's going to be? If we're not empowered, if our lives aren't changing... If we haven't experienced the love of God for ourselves, we don't have none to give out. We need, we need to get, we, don't, we want to be deeper Christians and we want to grow wider, but we want to grow deeper too. God forbid if this church becomes a, a mega church of Christians that are two inches deep, that don't have a relationship with Jesus, that don't have a meaningful, powerful relationship with their God, a meaningful, deeper relationship in the word, that they're constantly digging into the word, how this applies into our culture. We're not prayerful people. Man, I'd love to see this house on the 26th just packed that we can start praying for each other and praying for our communities. We just need this so desperately. Why? Because we need God. We need God praying. We need God. The church should not fight like the world does. When we know that it's a, the, the battle is a spiritual one, we'll fight with the divine power. And the superpowers that we have is love. It's, it's prayer, it's love, it's grace, it's mercy, it's compassion, it's generosity, it's unity. And notice Paul's description of the armor of God that, that every Christian should put on. And then he highlights prayer as a tool and a weapon. Look at what it says in verse 18. It says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the people. Why? Because we can't do this on our own. We need God. 
We need our hearts and minds aligned <clears throat> with his mission and vision. We need us to, to not walk in our own strength. We need, you know, prayer is not for, for you to change God. You can't, con God is, prayer is not your remote control for Jesus. It's not your wish list. Actually, prayer is to align us with his will, not him to get bend down to our will. Prayer helps us settle our minds and reflect it and to center our hearts and realign our hearts on the mission that is at hand and the power that is readily available. Prayer aligns us with him, gets us straight with God, and helps us remember. And then we are shaped by prayer when we're connected to him. Changing our world takes so much effort, but we can't do it without God. And so we have to be a church who is prayed up, studied up, and looking up all the time. That we are constantly towing that line. We are constantly meeting God first in everything we do. And I'm the worst at this. Can I just say that? I'm so convicted that I'm, I'm the first one to step out and do it and figure it out and put all the programs together. 101, 201, 301. This is going to, this is going to change. And then God, but I need God. I'm very uh, uh, much a systems guy. And I can plan the Holy Spirit out of everything. Boy, do we need God. Do we need to be on our knees praying to God to move in our churches? Changing our world takes a bunch of effort and it requires constant connection with God and constant connection with one another. Look at what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another in, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see the day is capitalized because this is the return of Christ he's talking about. Whether you realize it or not, we're all heading into the same direction spiritually speaking. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to end and, uh, with Christ's return. I wrote in the uh, chapter of the book uh, about uh, why is there so many religions um, and answered the question that you guys asked, will everybody go to God? Will all people go to God? And the, and the truth is they will. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. They will either confess that Jesus is, in, is Lord today and receive the salvation that is, is, that, that is offered to us because we live in this, in this season of grace. Or you will confess Jesus is Lord in judgment. Only proving that you did not put your faith in Christ this side of heaven. But every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Because that day is coming near. And everybody is heading in that direction. Jesus, the day that Jesus returns, he will judge the living and the dead. That's what we just confessed in the Apostles' Creed. And that Christ will establish his kingdom here on earth. Will there be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more pain anymore? Isn't that good news? And why is this so important for the church to fight, to get together, and to stay together? Because it's the unity of the faith that, that Jesus Christ himself contended for. When he prayed for us, he prayed, God, let them be one as you and I are one. This is why we need to be together. We need to be about our Father's business. And unfortunately, a lot of things in our culture pushes that out and interferes with that. 
And our priorities are not church all the time, is it? It's easy to, get, to let this time together get squeezed out. You have to make a conscience effort to gather regularly uh, together in the church. Getting together also means figuratively coming to a place of unity in our mission and our purpose on earth. Jesus said this. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. I came that they may have life. When the enemy steals and kills our unity and our mission, our unity and our purpose, he destroys the abundant life that Christ has come to give us. Are you living a life that can be characterized as abundant? I wonder if there's any connection between your relationship with God and his church and the fact that you're not living an abundant life. That's the missing link. If you're not living the abundant life, you have not embraced who God is. Jesus was asked by a teacher, he says, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because he knew that if you love God, if you knew God, if you know the magnitude of his love and his grace and his mercy and the purpose that he has for you, then you would be freed and, and, uh, uh, to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love your neighbor. This leads me to my last point here is this. Being united together in community and in purpose is vital for us to as we seek to have an impact in our world. Being united together in community and in purpose is vital for us as we seek to impact the world. We cannot do this alone. We need you guys to do this with us. Uh, even Jesus himself surrounded himself with people. He got with 12 people um, and, and they lived in close relationship with one another. They took time together. They studied the word together. They, they, the, the closest relationships with Jesus, he had three really deeper relationships. And those three people would go on and lead the church. The theme of this sermon series has been together because as a church, we're committed to the same kind of togetherness that Jesus modeled for us. We're committed to investing into relationships with you as a believer. We're committed to, to also, we're challenged to also produce, produce, uh, pursue togetherness in the relationships that uh, uh, don't know Jesus. We, we've provided you this tool in the back of your seat. And if you haven't grabbed one, grab one. Uh, this is just a practical way of how you can, can love and serve uh, the people that are far from God, but you know would benefit from a relationship with Jesus. And so who is your one? Is it somebody in your family? Is it a neighbor? Is it a coworker, a friend, teachers, classmates? Who is your one that you would love to see come to faith in Jesus? Maybe you're the one today. Maybe you're the one that is seeking Jesus. Man, come to the one-on-one class today. We got plenty of food. Come and hang out with us. If you can't make it today, get over there. Come and see us and talk to us. You don't have to wait for the one-on-one class. We would love to pursue and, 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 and talk to you more about who Jesus is. But get in there because we want outsiders to become insiders. That's God's purpose for us and for this church. Our culture offers so many counterfeit ways of staying connected, doesn't it? How many times are you on social media all day? Do you really feel connected? It is a really a counterfeit way of being connected. And, um, and those aren't bad things in and of themselves, but 
But we need real relational connection. We need real authentic relationships. And, and this is why we pr promote coming back to church and being together because we need this. We need the support. We need a place to belong. We need encouragement. We need reminders of who we are and what we're called to do. Uh, we need strength when we are weak. We need peace when there, there's chaos. I don't know if anybody had, has had a week like mine, but it's been, been kind of crazy. And I needed my brothers and sisters to remind me that God is in control. Even when Paul traveled, he stayed connected with his fellow believers. He visited them for, and, and stayed long periods of time with them. He wrote letters. He sent messages back. He prayed for them, even in the worst of his conditions when he was imprisoned or shipwrecked. We need each other. It's the only way we're going to change the world, one heart at a time. Why does coming back to church matter to us? Because community matters. Connection matters. Unity matters. Living as a part of God's family matters. Living out your truest sense of purpose matters. And when we find that purpose together, we find that we find the true peace that God offers us. We get to experience the deepest unconditional love that comes from God. We get to be stronger together because you're, you're weak when you're alone. And then we have an impact on our world when we do small acts of kindness, love, mercy, and grace. One call as we close out this sermon series. So, uh, just I want this to offer this ongoing invitation to each and every one of us. Let's continue pursuing togetherness. Let's get together. If you're not part of a community group, be part of a community group. Maybe the, your first step is to join the church. Become, go into the 101 class. Become a member. Get into community. Start serving in some capacity here at the church. But get connected. It's constant call for you guys to stay connected. There's a place in this community for every single one of you. And we want you to be here together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this series. We thank you for just the reminder that we are better together. That together we find uh, the peace that you offer us through the Holy Spirit. Together we find and, and experience true, genuine love for one another. God, together we are stronger because, because God, we're weak when we are alone. And together, as we, we take steps of faith, walking in your footsteps, Jesus, we get to do the things that, you get to do, that you've done. We get to go out and do good in the name of Jesus. So I thank you, God, for this church. I pray that togetherness would be our theme throughout this year and forever, God, that we would understand and know that we are better together than we are apart. Jesus, we thank you so much for making that connection possible through your life, death, and resurrection. And as we celebrate communion this morning, I pray that you will begin to stir in people's hearts where they need to repent of their own sin and receive you, Jesus. God, we ask that you move powerfully, that this becomes a means of grace, that this becomes a, mo a moment that we really, truly just confess our need for you and dine with you. God, would you meet us in this moment? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to share family communion this morning, and so if we could have the ushers come up, Glenn is going to...